Christians in the house of the Lord and remember our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Amen. And where he sits now at the right hand of God, victorious over sin, death, hell, and the devil. And we are victorious in him, through him, and because of him. And he's coming for us soon to take us out of this place so that we can be with him forever. Amen. Open your Bibles, please, to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, and let me use a verse you've heard many times from me, but it should be a rule for our lives. Galatians 6. We have the Lord's Supper before us today. We have John chapter 19, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ before us today. And while there is reason for us to consider his sufferings and for us to remember his pain, his shame, we yet want to glory in that cross because that's what Paul told us to do. And Jesus himself did not put all the emphasis on his sufferings, but put his emphasis on the joy that was set before him that he would have after the cross. Because the Bible tells us for the joy that was set before him, he endured the pain and suffering of the cross because he knew he was going to be promoted to the pinnacle of heaven. And we want to remember that. Here's the verse. Galatians 6.14 But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. God forbid. One of the strongest negatives in the Bible telling us that there is no way that we should allow anything else to compete with the importance of Jesus Christ dying for us. And Galatians 6.14, the comparison there is glorying in one of the greatest ordinances of God's religion. And that was circumcision, which was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham. Yes, it was part of the Old Testament. But we here in Galatians are in that period of transition as the Old Testament was being phased out, the New Testament was being phased in, where it was still very big issue, especially to Jewish legalists. So let me back up and read a few verses to you. Galatians 6.11 Ye see how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. Paul ordinarily used assistants to write his epistles for him. He wrote these six chapters, this lengthy epistle, because this was very important for him to do battle with the Jewish legalists who were mixing circumcision with the finished work of the crucifixion. And circumcision and crucifixion don't go together as this epistle explains. Verse 12, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, Jewish legalists, still nationalistically minded about their inherited religion from Moses, they constrain you to be circumcised. You Gentiles in Galatia, you're being forced by these Jewish legalists to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. This is so common for men to want to add things to the finished work of Christ because the finished work of Christ is such a spiritual concept, it is foreign and contrary to our fleshly natures. So they would cover it with other issues, and for a Jewish legalist, it was to get circumcision involved. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, 
these Jewish legalists who were Christians, they don't keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh, that they're able to have an influence in the world and get Gentiles to be circumcised like the Jews. Then we have verse 14, and in verse 15, Paul said, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. It's a changed life that shows the grace of God and is the evidence of eternal life. But God forbid that I should glory. God forbid that I should delight. God forbid that I should get excited. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There should only be one thing that gets me excited, and it's the finished work of Jesus Christ in his crucifixion on the cross. By whom the world is crucified unto me. That event that took place 2,000 years ago put a chasm between me and the world. I'm dead to them. They're dead to me. I don't care what they think or they do. They hate me and will end up killing him in the city of Rome. But this is what the cross of Christ should do to us, a changed life, different from the world, for the glory of our Savior. It is so easy for churches to glory in facilities. The new gym they built. It's so easy for churches to glory in their programs. It is so easy for churches to glory in their personalities. Their prayers answered. Their conversions. You know, an an athlete's conversion is supposedly something big. But this isn't what we're supposed to glory in. I don't care if Tim Tebow's a Christian or not. This is what we want to glory in. The Lord Jesus Christ and his cross. It's easy for churches to glory in their accomplishments. It's easy for churches to glory in the friends or the networking that they do when they come into a church service. But we want to glory in Christ and his cross. And we want to make his crucifixion and his death for us the most important thing of our church. I wrote you yesterday and reminded you that Jeremiah warned Israel not to glory in education, not to glory in athletics, and not to glory in riches. Now, when you take out economics and finance, and you take out physical accomplishments, and you take out education or intellect, that doesn't leave man very much, except the cross of Christ. And so we have everything, because we have the cross of Christ. The word glory in this verse is a verb. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It's something we do. It means we get excited, we're enthusiastic, and we delight in something. And Paul was enthusiastic and excited and delighted in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 2, I determined it's a choice what we preach. Content is a choice. We don't have a liturgy. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. He has not suffered for 2,000 years. He's been more than compensated by being at the right hand of the Father, in the Father's throne, in heaven, over the universe, all angels, principalities, powers, thrones, might, and dominion, being subject to him at the head of the universe. And we want to remember his death till he comes because he's told us that's what he wants us to do. But we don't need to grieve too much about it. We don't need to groan too much about it because he's not suffering now and he hasn't for 2,000 years. 
and I've made this point before, and for a pastor, knowing that there's 200 different consciences listening to me, and more later, it's hard to say it in just the right words because we want to remember his death till he comes. We want to know his sufferings and choose the fellowship of those sufferings like Paul did. Yet, it is a finished thing that he did, and we remember it with joy, and so we glory in it, like Paul said right here. We want to glory. We don't want to be giddy about it, but we want to glory in it. We want to glory in it. We don't want to grieve and groan about it, except a little bit as we think about what he went through. We want to glory in it that it's past. It's over. He drank the cup. He drank the dregs of the cup of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God and then finished that work and sat down in heaven. We have national heroes that die. And we remember them. George Washington's birthday. We remember his birthday. You know, we don't like thinking about his death because his death took him away from our nation. He could no longer do us any good. But when we had the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And without rising from the dead, his death was worthless. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about. If Christ be not risen from the dead, ye are yet in your sins. And Christ died in vain. So he rose from the dead, and we have the Lord's Supper to remember his death. But it was followed by a resurrection. And we don't want to forget that. So when we look at the word glory in here about the cross of Christ, while there were Jewish legalists getting excited by seeing Gentiles having minor surgery, unbelievable ignorance, rebellion, and pushback against the finished work of Christ, Paul said, I don't care about circumcision. I care about crucifixion. And it's crucifixion that I'm going to glory in. Our Savior rose again. He went to the cross and he has received the full reward for it. So today we want to be upbeat. We want to study John 19 and see what Jesus did for us. John 19 is going to take us the easiest route through the crucifixion of the gospel accounts. And I'll make up for that by tying in what Matthew, Mark, and Luke have to say and so will some brothers that read some scriptures to you this morning. But John's route is going to be rather almost trivial in comparison to Psalm 22 and comparison to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But we want to glory in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross because it's in John where Jesus said, it is finished. It was over. Let's not put him back on the cross. You know, the vast majority of Christians still look at crucifixes and think that it's a religious icon for them with Jesus still hanging there. Jesus isn't still hanging there. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. He's died for us, rose again, ascended up into heaven, and he's coming for us. He wants us to remember that he did die for us. Our salvation is not in the gore. There is no salvation in the gore of the cross. Many men have suffered worse deaths than Jesus on the cross, physically. He had three other elements to that death. Psychological, spiritual, and divine. The gore didn't save us. The death saved us. And we want to remember his death till he comes. His flesh was torn so that his blood departed from his body and the life of the flesh is in the blood 
and he died for us. And so we want, he did die for us 2,000 years ago, but let's celebrate that today and glory in the fact that God sent his son to lay down his life for us, to take it up again, and he sits in heaven, and he's coming for us soon. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Father in heaven, we thank thee for the gift of thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee for sending him into this world, knowing the business that he had from thee to fulfill in his life, and that he laid down his life for us, his sheep, and then took it up again according to your commandment. And we read in the 10th of John that you love him because he chose willingly to do this in obedience to you, to lay down his life for the sheep and to take up his life again. And we thank thee for our risen, reigning, and returning Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, by your spirit and by your word, guide us today into the proper balance of remembering his suffering, his pain, his torture, the false accusations, the mockery, the reproach that fell upon him, the shame of his nakedness hanging on the cross and the bystanders staring at him, as Psalm 22 tells us. Help us to remember those things and to be thankful and grateful from the depths of our heart for what your son did for sinners. But, oh, Lord, let us glory in the fact that the work on the cross is finished, that he rose from the dead with your approval, that he ascended into heaven, that he took the book of the everlasting covenant out of your hands, that the choirs of heaven burst forth into praise 2,000 years ago, and that we have a living Savior. And he lives within us by his Spirit. Oh, Lord, Bless us this day to find the crown of the road to avoid any ditch, but to glory in the finished work of Jesus Christ as we should. Forgive us our sins. Heavenly Father, forgive us our neglect. Forgive us the dullness of our minds. Forgive us the coldness of our hearts. Revive us again. Lift us up by your spirit. Lift us up by your word that we shall rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us. We thank thee that you sent him to die in our place and that he bore our sins on the tree that we might live under the righteousness of him who loved us and gave himself for us. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the inspired and preserved scriptures and we pray that you will bless them wherever they are preached today. Every man that the Lord Jesus Christ has called, we pray that you will embolden him, strengthen him, protect him, defend him, and guide him in your word, that he might make the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ manifestly plain to all his hearers and feed them with knowledge and understanding. And, O Lord, that he would speak boldly and lift up the gospel trumpet and show your people their sins, yes, legally forgiven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but oh, that we would practically confess and repent of them and turn once again unto thee. We thank thee for America. We live in a great nation. And Heavenly Father, we commit the results of this recent election into thy hands. We did our part. 
We are doing our part right now by praying according to the commandment of our beloved brother Paul. And now we wait to see your work in our nation for the sake of the righteous that live in these United States. Bless this nation, Heavenly Father, that we, our children, and our children's children may continue to worship Thee in spirit, in truth, and national freedom to do so. We thank Thee for this assembly, and we pray for every assembly of saints around the world that You will be with them, and that, Heavenly Father, You will walk among Your seven golden candlesticks and hold Your seven stars in Your right hand and bless every one of them. May the kingdom of God be broadened, strengthened, increased this day. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and for your blessing upon our assemblies here, have mercy. Amen. Amen.